Welcome back to another episode of Nearly Verified. This week, I get to sit down with a good friend and super successful guy that has recently graduated from Laurier University. Blair Forrest has been a serial entrepreneur since he could remember. Whether it was a lemonade stand, a garage sale, or selling on Amazon, Blair has always tried to make the most of whatever side hustle he could get his hands on. Within the past 36 months, Blair has started AMZ Prep, which is a full-service marketplace provider for companies looking to sell on Amazon and online. He has scaled his business with the help of grants, hard work, and trial and error. Blair recently won the fastest growing startup in Canada and Student Entrepreneur of the Year at Enactus Nationals. It makes it that much more impressive that he did all of this while completing his degree full time. I've known Blair since my second year at Laurier and it has been unreal to see him and his businesses grow. Blair is a hardworking, smart, driven, and just a great guy to sit down and talk to. So Blair, if you're listening, thank you so, so much for coming on the show to chat. And genuinely, I wish you the best of luck with everything to come with AMZ. If you want to learn how to sell online, check out amzprep.com. I'll have all of this information in the description of this podcast. But uh, once again, Blair, thank you so much for coming to chat. And thank you guys so much for taking the time to listen. I hope you enjoy. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Nearly Verified. Today, I have the one and only Blair Forrest on the show to chat. He is the founder of AMZ Prep and a recent Laurier graduate, along with many other things. So Blair, thank you so much for being here today. Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much. I know on my LinkedIn, uh, we mentioned it's a strategy. Founder works. I'll take anything at this point. I'm glad. <laughs> Amazing. Um, so yeah, I guess jumping into AMZ Prep, I was wondering if you could give us a little bit of a high level understanding of what your company does and what your role is from the start to now. Yeah, man. So um, to keep it short and sweet, uh, from a higher level, so we help brands sell on Amazon. So predominantly it started where helping the fulfillment, warehousing and shipping piece. So if um, a small business or like a a really large organization wants to sell on Amazon, we'll help with all the, the backend logistics. Um, but now we support with everything to the, the marketing, the photography, the creative. You can envision it almost like the end-to-end solution for these brands on Amazon. Um, so to give quick context, hopefully it ends up driving the direction of the conversation, is so I used to actually sell products on Amazon. So we still actively do it. Um, so back in my first year university, I started actually selling these baby products on Amazon, right? And not the... Uh, it wasn't the party starter conversation for products. So I wasn't telling too many people what products I was selling, uh, but we had these like baby caddies that we sell on Amazon. So what ended up happening though was I obviously couldn't ship all these baby caddies to my university dorm. I was at KSR. Um, I'd get some pretty weird looks and it wasn't the, the lady's favorite. So I, um, I would end up like shipping them to another like warehouse, right? So instead, uh, back in 2018, I got my own really small warehouse right around, it's like the size of this office room. So we used that for a few months just to receive my own products that I was selling on Amazon and fulfill them to Amazon's fulfillment network, which is ginormous. And then over time, what ended up happening was we had friends and family in the network um, that needed products fulfilled for Amazon. So we almost had this bottleneck where we just started rolling it out really quickly. So we launched a, a really bootleg website. Uh, over the next few months, things started to grow rapidly. We went moved into our second warehouse. It'll last a few more months and we moved into our 
third warehouse and um yeah fast forward it's uh it's things move really fast so now we're um we're in around 150,000 square feet um, between three different warehouses uh, and we have around 25 someone team entire organization um so yeah my, my roles adapted like crazy i, I went from uh, being my warehouse operations and kind of the pick and pack um to kind of being like a full-fledged like manager and ceo and founder and, and leader of a company which is super cool um but yeah man it's um it's been exciting it's it's been hectic um but we, we've we're still incredibly young we've been in business now 28 months um so it's still really early stage of, of what we're trying to go to but um we have some pretty aggressive goals so i'm i'm hopefully excited to see what the next few years take us to that's awesome, man. And it's pretty crazy to see what this kind of like side hustle starting 2018 from your dorm room turns into now like this <laughs> massive company of in comparison, right? Like having three warehouses yeah. scaling the way and like at the speed at which you did. Um, kudos to you, man. That's unreal to see. Especially no, I appreciate it. Yeah, uh, it's um, it's the side hustle made big, essentially, right? Yeah. So it's, it's mayhem. Um, trying to balance out is, is absolutely nuts. So I, I know we'll probably dive deeper into it, but um, yeah, it's exciting. We're, we're moving quickly. So we're, we're trying to adapt and kind of do things on the fly, but um, we're staring like, it's almost this great example that we're trying to do a lot better is like when we're like a side hustle, uh, it's like, we're almost like a, like a pirate ship in terms of how we operate really bootleg. It's kind of like on the fly, like whatever kind of comes goes. So if we have a process or an idea, it's like whatever sticks to the wall, we'll just make it work. Uh, to now it's, we're almost coming like a Navy fleet, right? Where there's like a lot more systems, there's a lot more hierarchy and thought processes. And so it's cool. Like I, I'm seeing the whole evolution of a company um, from like what takes you to kind of like the one dollar benchmark to what takes you to like the, the next level. So it, it's, um, it's cool to see the whole path. I've, I've never been involved even like other startups when I got into this space. So um, I'm seeing it firsthand. <laughs> so it's mayhem. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Um, and something I didn't know about you, like when I was doing research for this, I like did some mm -hmm. reading about articles posting about AMZ, and you've been an entrepreneur forever. Like, you've always been hustling since you were a kid. And I read that you did lemonade stands, car washes, garage sales, <laughs> like the whole nines. Um, so yeah, I was wondering if you like walk through what like drives you to be an entrepreneur? Like, why have you always kind of gravitated towards that? Yeah, man, that's a great question. So it's good research. Yeah, like ever since like, honestly, as early as I can remember, I was doing some sort of side hustle. You name it and I like ran through it. So like my thing ever since I was really young was I was always doing these like garage sale flips. So like my dad, when I was like 10, 12 years old, I would like map out strategically like every garage sale. I, I was born in Hamilton, so I grew up there. Map out a garage sale anywhere from like, I don't know, 15, 30 garage sales on a Saturday morning. We wake up sunrise and I strategically map out from a newspaper. Um, so it was a couple of years ago and like see every single spot that we're going to hit. And what I do is like, there was no like develop Google maps at the time. I'm sounding old, but I'm not. It's, it's just like <laughs> how it was. So like what you'd have to do is like off the map, you'd basically like draw out the most efficient, like economical way to get to every single spot or my dad wouldn't take me to do it. And then what I do is like, I would find stuff there and then I just try to resell it. So as I got older and I got a cell phone, it started to adapt to going to eBay. So eBay was kind of like my big place where I started making some decent money. Um, and then on the summers 
And then it started going to like Kijiji and Facebook market and Etsy and all these other places. Even like uh, in my like best summer, I ended up clearing around like 40,000 from like resale. Like May, but you should have seen my garage was <laughs> nuts. I, um, my best thing I sold was um, I used to sell like air conditioners. <laughs> so I'd buy like, I'd buy air conditioners in huge lots. I buy them all discounted. And what I would do is I would wait till heat waves happen peak summer and every store sold out and I could like, it was mayhem. So that yeah, we, I had this, <laughs> I had this whole process in place, but um, I don't know, ever since the young age, like, I was just, I always had some sort of side hustle in place. So when I started thinking about like selling on Amazon, it was just one more thing that I was like, all right, I was, if I can make some extra cash and it was all like really cool businesses. Like every single business was like really bootleg. So I'd, I'd get business cards and I would just like throw it up the next day. I'd have like at a car wash company, um, I had like a dog walking company, but um, there's a couple, a couple failures, a couple of ventures went sideways, but um, they're all learning lessons. So I, I didn't mind it. That's huge. And I feel like that's like one of the most valuable things that any entrepreneur will say is like falling on your face and falling quickly is like the best thing that could ever happen to you. Cause then you learn, you pick yourself it up sounds and you move so on to the cliche, next thing. But literally. yeah, it's exactly that. Right. But it's, <laughs> it's literally like, I, I learned something from each one. So I was able to but some of them I didn't, <laughs> but most of them I learned something pretty valuable that I could have at least exported to. Um, on the benefit, I know everything about air conditioners. <laughs> if you name it, I, I know something about it. It's irrelevant, but it, <laughs> maybe I'll use it one day. <laughs> you never know, I guess. <laughs> that's unreal. Um, so I guess going back to your Laurie experience, that's fresh in the mind. Um, I was wondering if there's anything like at Laurier that kind of helped push you towards entrepreneurship or that like helped foster that for you, whether it's like a prof or a club or a course that kind of fueled your passion at all. Yeah. Yeah. So really early on, I, I got involved with like an actus. So that was kind of like my first like feet into it. So I, I was trying to do a couple of things like start up Laurier. And so an actus and, and I was like after Laura Allen in first year. Um, like the whole like 121, 111 style. So <clears throat> the, the enactus just kind of opened my eyes up to like social entrepreneurship. Cause I never really even knew like what entrepreneurship was beforehand. Like I wasn't in this, like the space of entrepreneurship. So I, I wasn't too aware of kind of what everything looked like. So enactus really got me into it pretty quickly. Um, in like second year of university, I went to like London, England for like enactus worlds it was mayhem, like the stuff they were doing on these global stages. And these were all like university ran businesses. So yeah, that's where everything started. Um, I wasn't involved in too many other like entrepreneurial things. Um, but I know like, I think like every BU111 adventure, uh, we thought it, we were going to make a million dollars off of it. So I, I know that kind of got my feet wet into like what actually made a business, like business model and iteration and all the other stuff. So I think that kind of like geared me up or it kind of just it was more structure than like my bootleg ventures that I was doing like middle school or high school. It just, it was a bit more process in place. So I, I think that's why I got warmed up to it. Um, so I, I think they all influenced in a different way, but it started allowing me to like speak the language and also start to at least talk to other people that rather had a side hustle or they were in an actus or startup Laurier. And it slowly started getting me into like the groove of like what everyone was doing in terms of like these side hustles, which was absolute mayhem. Yeah, hearing about some of these businesses, like it was crazy to watch some of those like 
uh, like the national presentations from like all these different countries, even Canada, like ours, ours was unreal, but seeing them from like Brazil and like Israel, wherever it is, like blew my mind, which is really, really cool. And they're making like millions of dollars too. Like they're the one, like when I was in London, it was like, um, it was team India. I think they did over like 30 million in revenue and I was absolutely absurd. And it's like a student ran company. So it's, it's crazy to see. So I, I, that just got me warmed up to it. Um, you can almost say primed, I guess. It's probably the best way to say it. So could you talk about like the student entrepreneur national competition? Because that's also linked to Enactus, but I don't like, I'm kind of confused as to how it's all divided up. Because Enactus is this huge like body of competition slash like organization across the globe. Um, so I was wondering like how like your competition like filtered into the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then that's where, like, from a lot of the press, like, that blew things up. Um, yeah. It, get, it went, like, <clears throat> I didn't know the power of an actus until um, that event and, and me winning it. But I, I learned about that. I didn't know there was an event before. So it, it's, um, so the Anactus uh, Global Student Entrepreneur Award, it's basically, uh, it's like a nomination only uh, event. And it's, it's inside the Anactus realm, but it's external of, like, any specific schools or teams. So from my understanding, anyone that's in university can get nominated for this, um, but you'll never find out who nominated you from my understanding. They just reached out to me and said, hey, like you had a certain number of submissions. So you automatically apply to get into the Anactus Global Student Awards or something along those lines. So I got nominated for it and it was, was back uh, like a year and some change ago, I think like September, October. So I got nominated for it. They wanted all these specific documents uh, of course, was slightly late submitting all of it, but I got it in on time. Uh, and then basically what ended up happening was over like two or three different rounds, they went from like like a, a regional and they started dividing all these rounds out. So it went from like 500 to 100 to, I think it was like 50, down to 10 and then down to three. So over like an eight month span, it was like a crazy big process. And they had tons of different like video submissions and reports and all this other cool stuff to kind of just start to filter through all these different businesses. Um, and then back in June or July, um, we ended up just competing with like me and three other businesses for the top business in Canada, which was absolute crazy. I didn't even know there was that many businesses that like were student ran businesses and right. Like, I, I don't know when I started the whole AMZ side of things, like I didn't know that there was that many student ran businesses. Like I, when I start when I try to rule it off the top of my thumb, like I, I didn't even know, I didn't know more than like a handful of them. Right. And maybe I'm just not in that space enough. But once I saw this and like the amount of them across Canada, it was cool. It's like a whole other world of these businesses that I, I didn't even know existed. So yeah, we, we ended up winning that back in um, July, which is super cool. Uh, and with that, the press like flew off the shelf. So we got some really cool networks from it. So it was, yeah, it was like probably the most powerful thing um, from a press that I've ever done before. Because um, it just kind of blew things out of proportion, but in a really good way. And was like, did you expect to make it to the point you did? Or was this just kind of like a side thought? Like, okay, I'm going to like participate in this. Or were you like really driven all the way through? Like, I want, I want to like make it to the end here. Like, what was your, like your thought? Yeah. Like, I think I had, a, I, I thought I had a pretty good chance. Um, but I, I didn't know like the scale of these other companies. So a lot of them, like they were pretty under the table in terms of like, like showcasing revenue or growth. And I was like incredibly open with it. So I think it's really valuable for like other students to see like what sort of revenue fingers that a company can bring in and like where we're at in terms of 
the standing grounds. So I, I thought we had a good chance, um, but I don't know, when it came to the, the last round, um, I, I didn't think we were gonna win. I saw these other companies, I was like, ooh, I was like, okay. <laughs> I was like, we can, we can pack it up now. So I don't know, I was pretty confident going into it. Um, I knew we had a sound business model, but I also knew like a knack, this is like a very specific lookalike. So I think for a lot of the competitions too, it's, it's, it's a lot of it, it, it's what they're looking for. Not always like the, the best revenue business or the most sound business model. Like it's like a very specific thing that especially like a company like Anactus wants to see or maybe showcase. So I, I wanted to balance it out too. Um, but yeah, like it was exciting, man. Like I'm, I'm, I'm glad we won. Um, and it, it sucks that it wasn't like on a, an actual huge stage because supposedly it's like a, a huge celebration. Uh, but we got a kick-ass trophy and, it, and we got a huge grant with it too. So it was a win-win in my books. That is awesome, man. I guess on the uh, on the topic of grants, I also read that you got a grant from this company called eShipper. Um, so I was wondering, like, if you could just dive into like what that meant for AMZ and like what that relationship looks like between AMZ and eShipper, and yeah, like, yeah. how is that grant kind of leveled up your business? For sure. So it's um so with eShipper, um, they raised our first round of funding. Okay. So I wish it was a grant. That would have been incredible. <laughs> so basically with eShipper, um, we were looking for capital and it, so with eShipper, so you can envision eShipper is like the kayak of shipping. So um, the same way you'd look for last minute hotel deals, they do this with like shipping rates and they have a whole platform. So all these small businesses can basically like put in box information and see the best rates from all these different carriers. And it's a super cool business model. So we end up getting a conversation with them on a, on a whole load of partnerships and they saw the potential of, of where AMZ was growing, um, but they also saw that I was a one man show. I was in a small warehouse and they were saying like, Hey, like, what's, what's stopping you from growing? What's, what's your guys' biggest issue? And I was like, guys, I don't, I physically don't have cash. I was like, warehouses are so expensive. Like if we want a small warehouse, we're paying like 20, 30, $40,000 a month just to rent out this space. I was like, this is, it's absurd for like a small business. I'm still in university. I'm doing this part-time. I was like, for me, I was like, I need enough capital to make sure we can scale. So they end up um, leading our, our, basically our seed round of funding. Um, so we raised around 400,000, um, but there was cash and non-cash equivalents and kind of relationship. Um, and then they did it off of an evaluation of like what we currently did in revenue. Really some like what we learned in terms of like, like, a, like a certain percentage multiple and they took like a fraction of that and invested. So now they're partners inside the company. So they invested in, in acquiring basically half of the business in terms of this is now we have the ability to grow. So they got us into our first warehouse. Um, the idea is that we, they grow it to a place that's now profitable and then they can step away, but um, they become like strategic partners in the business. So it's, it's been really cool. Like, I, I don't know, I, I never thought it'd be, especially with like a business, like the ability to like raise capital. Um, I know it's not a route to like, everyone likes taking and I, I think it's uh, kind of to each your own of like when businesses want to raise capital and there's a lot of I don't know buzz around that space um, but they basically just read our first round of funding which is super cool so a, a lot of like what we end up doing was like I use like a lot of the stuff I use for like um, like new venture and BU111 so like my whole like business model proposal like my full forecasting model like I gave them like a like a 20 page report presentation exactly like how we'd raise capital. And I shared that all over to them and it ended up working. So it's, um, it was all applicable, which is super cool, but they ended up raising our first round. Yeah, that's a testament to that Laurier program. 
Yeah, there we go. The, it's the race is right. <laughs> bingo, bingo. Dude, what what a ride it's been for you. Like to see that go. I don't know. I don't want to say full circle because it's not full circle yet. Like there's still sure, sure. room to grow, but like to, to be able to go through that, like go through those small warehouses, go through the funding on this, like as well as finish university. Like how do you have the time? Like how did you, how did you manage to get through all of that? Yeah, man, it, it was a hustle. Um, I don't know. Everyone, like I get, I get asked like almost daily. I, I get a lot of like reach outs from like one of the students or like people in the network. Like so daily, I usually get asked on like, how like how like how do you manage like how, how do you do all this stuff and like still like keep up everything simultaneously and i, and I wish it was a better answer but i think in short you don't right like I, I think to an extent things will things will fall through the gaps it's not a perfect ride um but for me like there was just places that i was just so bloody committed to the business that like and i knew how fast that we could grow it there's a lot of pressure i think externally the idea of like starting a business after university, I think like, and I've, I've heard it from a lot of people and I think it was almost in myself too, of like, you know what, let me do this after university because I'll have more time. I, I got to focus on my grades. And I was almost into that same thought process. So as this started to grow up and the business started to get busier, I was like, do I just, do I put this on the side for now and actually just shut this down for another two years and, and actually put my full energy into it. But I, I just thought how far we could potentially go in in the two years that we had available still in university, I was like, well, now I'm gonna be two years behind the eight ball. The world's gonna completely change, right? From like a, just everything that's currently happening. And I'll, I'll probably miss the only opportunity I had for like this specific business type. So on that end, I, I basically just buckled down to be honest with you. Um, I wish there was an easier way, but like, I think things fell through the crack. Like, um, I don't think I got some of the Laurie experience that I, I could have potentially got like more going out or more social events or networking. So I think I missed out on a couple of key things that I, I really would have loved. Um, but I think I, I was just trying to balance it to the best of my ability and like being like a warehouse worker midday to like going to like my sales class at night, it's mayhem, right? Like it's, it's not for everyone. Like people really need to, to know what they're signing up for. Um, but I was able to make it through it. it was a hard, yeah. <laughs> but I think I, I'm a testament, like other people can do it. Um, but it's, yeah, you gotta, you gotta sign up for the trip. I, I think it's, um, it's, it's once you go too far into it, like you almost got to just lean your shoulder through and, and rock the way through university. Yeah. And I think that's a good message too, to anyone thinking about entrepreneurship or just curious about it. Like it is not an easy path if you want to go down that route, right? Like there are going to be some very difficult days, weeks, even months. Like I'm sure that you've been through the ringer a few times, you know, making, <laughs> making mistakes and kind of like learning from them. But um, I guess my next question would be about like your largest hurdles. It's like, what would be your largest obstacles when it came to scaling AMZ and just like being an entrepreneur and a student? That's a good question. Yeah. Like when I, when I think about hurdles, like the big things that I think about, obviously one is like balance, like that time balance, um, which I think is a whole other conversation. I think also like a big thing as like we started to grow was the idea of like hiring more people, like scared the, the boatload out of me. Like the idea of like having people in it. Cause when it's just yourself, it's your own time, right? Like you can do whatever you want. It's like your own small hobby. It's like, no one's liable for it. You do what you want. Like if I don't go to the office one day, and I don't, I don't make money. Like it, it's only affecting me. Like it's a side hustle, right? It's like when we started to put more people under salary, 
this is where it got like really real really really quickly because now like these are like these are people these are people with families and they have homes and they have goals and aspirations and they have a, a family that they need to put food on their table for and this business model is actually feeding them over so as we started to grow that out became this like almost like overwhelming stress um and i, I think i almost like overstressed about it more than i needed to um but i think like that became like my biggest obligation to make sure like okay like this these guys are relying on me to make sure that like their kids can go to soccer or like we have food on the table so for me like that put like a whole other layer of pressure um necessary or unnecessary i don't know but for me like that was one of my biggest hurdles to try to understand was like how do i make sure like i don't drive myself into the ground because it was the most motivating factor for me but simultaneously like it was a thing that would almost like keep me up at night making sure like i was trying to hustle I think with that, um, trying to grow too fast was a huge hurdle for me. Like trying to balance out that in school. I, I think what I probably would have done different is I tried to grow really quickly, like really, really fast. And we, we did a good job at it, um, but it came at like me like grinding my face off so far. And it's like, we're only getting started, but um, it was another hurdle where like trying to balance everything out was like, an absolute nightmare it was crazy right so like trying to grow really quickly like trying to bring on the right people um trying to train properly for like talent and then trying to do this all while in school these are like major hurdles that i like constantly saw i think it's like even selecting the right talent i know you see especially in like the sales space of like the like turnover and like what that looks like is like trying to find like the right people for your company is so hard and it's like you, you'll never know till they actually like jump into the deep end and even being a startup, like it's you, you're operating in different startups. Like it's not for everyone, <laughs> especially yeah. like really early stage where there's really not that much process. So we had to filter through a lot of people just to try to find like the right fits, um, which meant like ongoing training, ongoing recruiting. And it was an incredibly costly process, but I was just trying to get enough people into it so I could like step away for the night and make sure like I studied for my exams. <laughs> so I, <laughs> I think those are the biggest hurdles. Um, I think the only thing that changed now is just, it's just the type of hurdles. So I was just like, like beforehand, it was like, oh, like, how am I going to get this shipment out versus now it's like, it's like HR issues or like bringing on more people or like expansion strategy. And like, yeah, I think the fires just end up getting bigger. Um, I'm like a firefighter full day, I think at this point, but it's just like the problems just become grander in the thought process. I, I think that's the easiest way to think about it. So yeah. the problems never change or like the hurdles never stop. I thought they would. I thought like, as you go, <laughs> it's like a thing that leaves, but they just become like more complicated and more expensive hurdles. I think that's basically it. Yeah. That's, that's leadership 101 right there. You're, <laughs> yeah. I think so. You're going through it, man. What would be, um, ah, damn. Yeah. Like, I think that's a really good way to put it too. Like the hurdles are not going to go away when it comes to entrepreneurship, Like you're going to have to navigate the new waters that you get yourself into and they're more exciting given you know like you're growing and you're doing new things and you're taking on new people but with that comes sure. added responsibility that lands on your plate i think just even like learning how to become a leader was like a big thing like it's not something like people teach right or like, like you can listen and try to learn from like podcasts or like education pieces but um it's like something that like didn't just come naturally to me like i can I, i'm almost like a leader by like vision Right. So like if people are sitting right beside me, I, I almost have these like tendencies where I just work really hard. So like they they almost can like get that same energy off of me. But as from like a leader from like a higher level, I think like I'm just so young. So I'm trying to learn like how to actually like be a leader for a company and like how to make the right decisions and like where to put my time properly. 
So I'm, I'm trying to do better on that. Um, but it's really hard. Like the, unless you like really buckle it down, it's like, it's crazy. Like as the company grows, it's just your leadership gets like more and more responsibility and people are now looking up to you and like, they want to see you drive the strategy and direction for a company. So unless you're like pushing this vision to the rest of the company, like no one else is. So it's a big responsibility. And I, I think it's, it's something I'm trying to learn on now, like how to do it better. Um, like we're, we have some crazy ideas of how many people we want to hire, but I think with that comes the responsibility, like how to make sure they also have the same energy. And like, even one last thing is like culture was a big thing for the company. So I think with that leadership becomes like, how do we find the right people that are culture fit? Um, I think that's, it's crazy hard. And I, I didn't think that was a thing this early on in the company. Uh, but I think like, it's like the idea of like one bad apple, it, it changes the entire perspective of a complete company. So it was something we had to learn on and it's something I'm trying to do now, but it's like trying to find the right culture fit and like trying to build a culture now because there's so many people and there's so many different personality types, like how to find the, the grooves and everything is it's man, it's busy. Yeah, man. I, I, I say we uh, set this up right now. One year from today, we, we set up another chat and see how well <laughs> you've managed to set up this corporate culture. Cause it's crazy, man. Like a year ago, your issues were like, you're saying, I got to figure out how to like get this package out. And now you're like working on a completely different scale. I know I keep bringing it back to like this big picture thing, but I just think it's so cool yeah, yeah. to see how quickly everything has moved and, and just seeing like the types of like problems you're tackling now. It's, it's fascinating to me and it's really cool to see. So congratulations on everything you've done, man. No, I appreciate it. I, I think it, it's literally that. And I think it's really cool for like entrepreneurs or like young businesses to like, like we're still really small, like at the grander scale of thing. Um, but from like a, a really small startup, it, it's like the next graduation level. So like they're able to see it like two steps ahead of like what I'm going through now. Um, but over the next few years, like it'll be super interesting to see because like we're getting into this like much larger corporate, like the ideas that we want to have around like 40 to 50 staff by the end of the year. And like those numbers are like mayhem. The idea of like having that many people is like, it's absurd. It's like a like a, a, a big football team <laughs> you know what I mean I like are like a decent sized lecture hall and they're all like working for like one end goal and it's like the goal that I made right so it's it's cool it's super cool to see it's something that I, I don't have experience with like my work experience didn't come from startups or um, I had like one accounting internship and that was basically it so for me it's like a whole different roller coaster so it, it's interesting to see but it's we're really rolling with the hits like we're, we're just taking it day by day um, but we're trying to think three steps ahead. So it's, it's difficult to do. No, yeah, I can, I can imagine, but it seems like you guys are moving in the right direction. So that's always a good thing to hear. Yeah. We're, <laughs> it's the North star basically. So we're, <laughs> we're, we're, we're doing our best. It's awesome. Um, so got one last question here for you, Blair, and it's yeah. just about the, you know, whole situation with COVID-19 kind of shaking up the world and making, I guess, the e-commerce world a lot more prevalent. So I'm assuming that means, as you would say, mayhem for your business, like having just a boatload of, uh, I guess, demand coming through your warehouses. So I'm just wondering like what that looked like for you, kind of dealing with all these waves of um, online shopping. And then I also read that you did a little bit for, not a little bit, sorry, that's not how I wanted to word it. Sad, yeah. um, you set up an initiative to kind of help and give back to the community. So I was wondering if you wanted to just share a little bit about that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So 
Um, for, for people that are listening to it, so our business from like a warehousing perspective, um, we're listed as an essential business. So over the past like eight to 12 months, we've been like full functioning, like full team boots on the ground, like literally nothing has changed. If anything, it just got a lot, lot busier because this huge e-commerce wave. So yeah, basically what ended up happening was like really early on, um, like because of everything with like PPE, uh, we basically had to like completely rearrange our entire warehouse to just like prioritize like PPE, like grocery products, like any essential goods. So that like um, whether a brand was sending it to Amazon or we were sending it to like a local hospital or we were sending it to end customers, we basically had like completely rearrange our fulfillment hub for like medical distribution. So <clears throat> yeah, like what ended up happening was we had like thousands and thousands of parcels like on, on any weekly basis that we had to process out. Um, but we had to do it with like such tight security measures in place. So we had like the, the Ministry of Health coming to our warehouse. Like we had the, the government regulations. We had Peel Police coming to our locations. Like because there was so much um, like strictness in terms of like where people were, like what medical products we were using. You can imagine, so we had to pay for like even our own medical products, like masks and gloves, like during like the peaks. So we we're spending like thousands and thousands of dollars just on like medical supplies for our own team, plus social distancing, making sure everything's compliant. So anyway, the entire shift just basically like made all these businesses like overnight turn on their heads. So all these businesses were literally looking for like literally a last minute solution, like whether that was e-commerce or switching to Amazon. So we saw some like really big businesses that were like, basically like they have no idea what to do. And we also saw with like really small businesses. So basically what the past eight months have been is, is things are starting to get back to normal now, um, but we became more of just a, like an essential good fulfillment hub. So we ended up seeing like our best numbers today. Like it really helped skyrocket our business. Um, so it actually like really helped propel things forward, but the, the levels of stress or like the levels of like obligation grew a lot more of course so we we tried to balance everything else so it, yeah it, it was it was crazy man like yeah it, it's just been it was nuts like we had to do overnight shifts like like double shifts anything to process as many shipments as possible um but it, it had a good role behind it right? like it, the meaning behind what we we're actually doing was incredibly rewarding so even now like we have initiatives where we're just helping businesses get on amazon so like these small mom and pop shifts businesses we're trying to like revolutionize them to completely digitize their business and sell on Amazon just because like it's what we're we're doing really well so it's cool for like a lot of these small businesses that like basically have no choice like their backs are against the wall because of retail we're trying to get them onto a place like Amazon to actually help grow their business um, but I think for us like now it's less about the money it's more just like trying to help as many businesses as possible right like we're going to continue to grow and we'll, we'll keep rocking with what we're doing but um, at the end of the day, like these businesses, it's like, I knew so many uh, like friends or family that had like a local business that completely got demolished because of COVID-19 or they just, they couldn't do anything. Like, and it's, it's completely out of their control too. Right. So I, it was unfair. So we tried everything we could. Um, so we've had some long nights trying to, trying to help some businesses out, but uh, on our end, it's just being full wheels in motion. So I don't see that stopping anytime soon. Um, businesses have adapted we've also seen like some crazy business growth with even the businesses we work with. So there's this like medical company that we knew they timed it impeccably. Um, they did 200,000 last year. Um, they're going to do around 35 million this year. Wow. And it was like, it was a guy in his basement 
just like sell medical products. But he, I don't know if he had a genie ball or what he had, but um, timing was absolutely impeccable. So it's cool. It's like, I, I think our timing was really good too, in terms of like being able to help these businesses and have a system in check. Um, but like everything is flipped. So like even now, like most of the conversations we have are with like really big companies, really big retailers that are looking for a complete like e-commerce Amazon transformation. So it's crazy to see where like, we thought it would just be small businesses who just need help versus like billion dollar companies and like fortune 1000 brands that have no idea what to do on this retail landscape. And we always thought like those were kind of like the big bees and like they had everything in check. But when it came to like e-commerce, it's like, it's a different world, right? As, as you can see best. So yeah, um, yeah it's, it's, it's absolutely, as I, <laughs> I think I say it best, it's mayhem. <laughs> I think there's, <laughs> there's literally no other way to say it. How cool is that though, to be able to kind of like take the lessons that you've learned from helping small businesses, but then, you know, flip the script and then work with these billion dollar companies. I think there's definitely some cool lessons to be learned on both sides of, of that spectrum. But yeah, the fact that you are able to support these small businesses, small businesses in a time where like they might not see a light at the end of the tunnel, if they can't, you know, move product out of their front door, that's a sad day. And it, it has been a very sad few months and year for a lot of these businesses. So the fact that you can kind of like step up to the plate and say, hey, we have these services to be able to help you. I think that goes a long way. Yeah, I think that's where even like you saw from like the LinkedIn, like me putting like strategy, is like I'm in these boardrooms with like these like really large companies. <laughs> so I usually put myself as like marketing or strategy or I'll put myself as like, like an account manager in the company instead of like a founder in the company. Um, Cause I think it's like, it's coming to a skies where like, especially like, I don't know, for my age, I, I know it, it shouldn't be, um, but for some of these big rooms, like I, it's it's a it's a whole different relationship in place, and there's so many different pieces and moving parts in it. So it's yeah, it's super interesting to see. So I'm I'm kind of just a a fly on the wall, I'm kind of just trying to move the chess pieces for like a lot bigger of a game. But it's exciting, man. It's super cool. That's unreal. I'm excited to see how that game plays out, man. I think it's gonna be big things for you guys coming coming up 2021. It's fresh fresh here and uh hit this out of the park yeah <laughs> yeah we um, got some, we got some cool things going like we're, we're trying to um expand internationally which is crazy so we're like finalizing like international warehouses which should be super cool so that should like really help like really propel things over so like now we're able to like offer like uk solutions or like like um dubai for example something we're trying to finalize so it's um it's an, it's an offensive approach, but I think it's the easiest way that we're able to like scale at the numbers we want to see. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's going to be incredible to be able to go overseas and, and continue your business. So, well, best I think of luck it's just on beneficial that. to travel, to be honest. Oh. I think, uh, I, think I, I think I might have to open up like a Brazil location at this point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> take, take your pick. Somewhere nice and hot. Australia, maybe. Well, <laughs> wherever, wherever I need a good tan, I think I might just have to move things over there at this point. <laughs> May as well just open up a another little uh, warehouse and you're good I, to go. I, wherever wherever my baby caddies will take me, I'll roll with it. <laughs> I love that man. I love that. Um, all right, so I think it's time for a little bit of a lightning round. If you're down, Let's do it. That. I'm rolling with it. All Let's right, go, man. Cool. First thing that comes to your head, um, we'll start with your favorite drink. Alcohol or non-alcohol? Either way. Kombucha. <laughs> And I feel like it's a lame answer, but no, that's cool. That's cool. Um, what is your biggest pet peeve? Um, 
I know this is a lightning round too. I think that's the pressure. I that's a tricky one though. That is a tricky Biggest one. Biggest pet peeve? I think it could go a different couple of ways. Give me a second. I think non-matching socks for me. Ooh, it's cool. one of those. It's one of those. I was just thinking of one. Like if I got asked yeah. that, I don't really know what I would say, but I think it would be like when I'm walking behind a slow walker on the sidewalk. Oh, that's good. Like that. I change, can I change my answer? You can. Yeah, if you want I'm, it. I'm, that, I'm, <laughs> I'm doubling down on that one. That's a good one. Or like, like, yeah, no, that I think I would, I'll stick with that one. That Especially cool. during COVID. I'm not trying to like brush by you. Like, I don't know. I got to like walk in the snow to get around you now. I don't know. It's just. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Or like, yeah, I think that's good. <laughs> um, who was your idol growing up? Um. I watched uh, Gary Vee was big for me. I think it's pretty cliche of the entrepreneurship, but Gary Vee was crazy. Um, Elon Musk was a cool one. I think that's just a quality candidate. Um, and like anyone on Dragon's Den, like early age Dragon Den um, was like an absolute hustler for me. Like Mark Cuban or um, Jim, Boston pizza guy. Yeah. Like just quality lads. That's basically my, my performer. No, that's good. I like that. Um, what is your favorite or who is your favorite artist or band? um honestly i think it depends on the day yeah like i'm i'm so spread out with all of my music like one day it'll be like house music the other will be like rap or country like i'll i'll stick with the generics i'll say like i'll have to say drake okay okay <laughs> I'll, I'll keep easy i think i'll keep it open so no one can that's a that. tough one though like you're shooting hard questions <laughs> these are harder than the interview questions <laughs> All right, last one for you. Um, also not an easy one. What is one thing that you'd say to 18-year-old Blair? Or one piece of advice for 18-year-old Blair? Don't take it too serious. That's I think that's one. the easiest one. Um, slow down. I think that's probably the best one. Is like, yeah. just put your head up, like once in a while. Smell the roses? Smell the roses. I think that's good. That's awesome. Well, Ending round. Lightning round. That's six, that's it. Six minute lightning round. <laughs> oh, that's that's, I, I think I probably just won the the slowest lightning round. No of the podcast so far. Not true. There's worse. Not worse. We're not gonna call it that. <laughs> you take your time. Slower. <laughs> <laughs> well, Blair, man, that was an awesome conversation. Um, I guess I'll leave the floor open to you. If there's anything else you want to say about AMZ, or if there's anything else you got on your mind that you want to share, I'll leave it open to you. But um, yeah, yeah, man. man no, I'm 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 glad. I'm. Thanks for having me. Um, if anyone has questions, uh, hopefully you provided some value here. But yeah, if anyone has questions for anything, um, shoot me a message, LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, wherever you can find me, Blair Forest. Uh, yeah, like whether it's, it's a small business or we're always hiring too. So if anyone's ever looking for a role, um, hit me up. I'm, I'm glad to, to talk and, and hopefully help out however I can. So I'm, I'm super glad to have you, man. Thanks so much. Yeah, man, 100%. And I'll have all of Blair's information, AMZ uh, preps information in the description. The so, yeah, I'll definitely plug it. And uh, dude, I think this is a super valuable conversation. Definitely dived into like how you got into entrepreneurship in your business. So yeah, I really sure. appreciate you for coming. Amazing, man. All the best. Thanks so much, man.